You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, friend. I just wanted to say today, we are so grateful for this chance to all come together each week and learn and grow together as entrepreneurs and dreamers. Thank you for showing up for this podcast each week. It truly means the world to us. And quite literally, this podcast would not exist without you. Anyways, sap fest over. Today, you had better buckle up. The energy, truth, and power that is about to hit our earbuds in today's episode. Oh my gosh. Today, we have the incredible honor of talking to the queen of hope, Tony Collier. Tony is a hope coach, author of Brave Enough to be Broken, and the founder of Broken Crayons Still Color, an international women's ministry that helps women process their brokenness and reclaim hope. She is a popular speaker and consultant who who helps organizations with creative marketing, leadership, student ministry, and strategic planning. It is her passion to show women that they can be both broken and beautiful as they work out their healing at the feet of Jesus. Tony is a spitfire and so energetic that I cannot wait for you to hear our conversation with her today. She vulnerably shares her story of trauma and heartbreak she has experienced throughout her life and everything she went through to get to where she is today. She then broke down some practical steps that we can take if we are struggling in the midst of our own brokenness or traumatic hurts. She shares the message that healing is possible and hope is attainable no matter what your story is. Near the end of the conversation, she tackled the topic of shame and how so often when things happen to us or we do things that we're not proud of, we can easily slip into feeling unworthy or full of shame. Tony speaks powerful truths to combat the feeling of shame or the lies that we start believing in the midst of our brokenness. I think every single person needs to hear this conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Tony onto the show. Photographers, I'm going to tell it to you straight today. One thing Lindsay and I have noticed over the years of coaching so many photographers is that many of us spend a majority of our time stuck behind a computer, editing, calling, delivering our photos, which can actually lead us to not focusing on the overall growth of our business or giving our clients an out-of-this-world experience. But the good news is that it does not have to be this way. Today, we want to introduce you to Post Partner. Unlike other photo editing companies, Post Partner is designed to partner with you for the long term as you grow your business. They pair you up with a dedicated editor committed to learning your unique style. You get direct access to your editor to build a collaborative relationship without having to manage a staff member in-house. So let's get you out of your editing cave so you can get back to growing your business and getting your life back. To get started with a free trial, go to postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle. That's postpartner.com forward slash heart and hustle and use the code heart and hustle for $200 off your first order. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Tony, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so beyond excited to be chatting with you today. I'm excited, as you can see, and maybe here as well. I'm so excited to be here. 
it's going to be a good conversation. I'm, I'm really excited because we've already got some synergy going on. So people need to go ahead and lean in. I'm just saying. Yes, they do. <laughs> well, Tony was telling us she had a very intense morning getting to this podcast and speaking at Chick-fil-A. So you are already a rock and roll woman uh, and we cannot wait to introduce you to our people. So before we kind of start our chat, can you introduce who you are and everything that you do to our listeners? Yeah. Um, so my name is Tony Collier. The most important thing about me is that I'm from Texas, best state in the world. Um, just gonna put that out there right at the beginning. But you, I got this new title actually, and someone called me this, and I'm like stealing it in my bio, put it in everything. And I'm a hope coach. That's kind of what I do. I'm like a hope dealer. I'm a hope coach. I help women process through brokenness of all kinds: divorce, singleness, um, gosh, trauma, anxiety, depression, therapy, all the things, and and get to hope, like. What does it look like to walk down a healing journey and be hopeful that one day it'll get better? One day things will get more calm. And so I get to guide women through that process. And it is just amazing. So I do that by speaking on different stages and platforms and all the things. I wrote a book called Brave Enough to Be Broken. I have women's courses and healing community groups and devotionals that are dedicated to intimate circles of women. And then I'm a mama, of course. I got two little kids <laughs> and I'm married to my bae, who's a huge part of my redemption story. But that's me. Like I'm wild. I'm crazy. I'm authentically myself all times. And I get to help women heal. And it's just awesome. We love that. I am so excited for this conversation. So you just mentioned you have a book. So Brave Enough to be Broken. Can you kind of tell us a little bit of like the inspiration and the the process even of like writing yeah. that book? Yeah. Well, I mean... Oftentimes when we work on something that massive, because it's like 60,000 freaking words, right? Like it's <laughs> all of my life essentially to write it. Um, it. It did actually include all of my life story. And what happens is we get passionate about the things that try to break us, that ends up breaking our heart. And we end up helping other women heal from, other men heal from. And so this book is all around healing, but it's a roadmap more than it is a story. So I tell my story everywhere on stages, on Instagreasy, all the things. I didn't want to write a book just about like my life. Cause I'm like, I could just tell all my business somewhere else. Instead, I wanted to write words that were going to last until eternity that actually helped people go through the healing process. And so it's like a step-by-step roadmap guide. Now there are parts of my story because there's some rashness there for sure. Okay. Some twerking and some drugs and some alcohol and all kinds of things. And so people need to know that I have the authority to speak into these things and to heal from them. And so there's a little bit of that in there, but mostly it's this really awesome roadmap to developing community, transitioning, toxic community, practicing gratitude, finding a counselor, how to do counseling really well, all those things. And it's awesome. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, (laughs) I'm excited to dive into even just a little bit of all of that goodness today. So I I know in your book, you share about practical steps of walking through healing and pain. And could you share a little bit of just like a slice of kind of what you share in the book with our listeners today of just like navigating that journey and steps that you would recommend taking? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, I was just a little girl up in Houston, Texas. Okay, baby. And the first thing that happened that the darkness essentially entered into my story was I was sexually manipulated and fondled with by family members, by cousin. And a few cousins actually throughout my life. And so that kind of started this whole darkness journey. I was unfortunately introduced to pornography. And so just, I mean, this trickle effect of being a young child, being exposed to things that I wasn't supposed to be. At eight years old, my mom um, had a massive stroke and lost all ability to walk. 
uh, to talk, to really understand other people and interface with other people and was a bright and beautiful woman. And that kind of broke up our family. And my dad went like full time into work. He was an alcoholic. He became real verbally abusive. And my brothers kind of just did their own thing, alcohol, drugs, gangs, all the things. And it was just me and my mama. And so I became a caregiver at eight years old. And so lost a lot of my childhood and was really anxiety ridden, fearing that I wouldn't have a mom. I would wake up and see there's be something else that was wrong. Well, I watched her heal from so many different things physically in our family kind of get their bearings. But all of the anxiety that I tried to suppress revved up a whole bunch when I was about 13 years old, going into adolescence, down all these hormones was popping. Okay. <laughs> and ended up losing my virginity to a much older guy that was very sexually manipulative and turned to drugs and alcohol and so much partying. I mean, gosh, I was in the club sweating my edges out and I ended up leaving my parents' house at 16, put myself through college, still had a lot of drive um, as a young person, wanted to make my daddy proud all the time, even if he wasn't proud. And at 19, decided that instead of going to law school, which was my plan, I would go and be with this little boy that I had known, known for like three months. And so moved to a whole different state from Texas to Georgia with this guy, following him, pursuing his dreams. And it ended up being a really toxic and abusive marriage. But I ended up having a little girl in that and I'm carrying all my baggage and I'm high all the time, suppressing all the pain. And I end up getting saved at 21. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my life is going to change. It's going to be so awesome. Ended up at a spiritually abusive church. So ratchet. Oh my gosh. The pastor was narcissistic and had a lot of church hurt. So it was just like one trauma after the other trauma after the other trauma. And at 24, when I saw fear in my daughter's eyes for the first time while I was in this marriage, I was like, we gonna go. Like we got, we need to do something here. And I didn't have enough confidence for myself, but I, I had enough sense to know that I wanted my daughter to have a better life. Ended up getting a divorce, transitioned out of this toxic church. I was alone, staying with another single mom in this little small room. And I hit rock bottom, as some would say. But my whole life changed from that point. I ended up like rededicating my life to God and being a, a follower, not just a fan of him going yeah. to a healthy church, getting in healthy community, started going to counseling, met my now bae, uh, my now husband, Sam, and my whole life has changed. I look back and I'm just like, what the freak is going on? <laughs> I don't know how I'm on the Heart and Hustle podcast. Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? I wake up every morning and I'm like, God, don't let me mess this up. Cause you know, I'm still wild a little bit. So <laughs> now I get to write about that, right? Like now that's in the book and it's like, well, how did you do that? People look at my life and they're like, sis, houseway. Like you were poor, you were divorced, you were abused. You, how do you, what happened? And I want to give other people the keys to that. Like, why would I keep that to myself? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I love it. What would you say in like that just coming from, oh my gosh, such a testimony of like I know. the Lord for the person who's listening to this now, who's like, yeah. I'm relating to something. Yeah. Um, how, you know, that, that question that you were saying, like your friends and everyone's asking like, how yeah. are there like a couple of tangible things that you can say, like, keep yeah. do this or, or start with this or keep Ooh, this yeah. in mind. Yeah. I, I can preach a good word, but I'm also a practical patty. And so I'm like, <laughs> show me how six. Okay. <laughs> uh, number one, like whether we like it or not as cliche as it is, you really do become who you are around. Mm-hmm. And you cannot heal in the place and with the people who broke you in the first place. Okay. When I tell you developing and being strategic around your circles changed my life. First of all, transitioning toxic people out of your circles, period. Yeah. Okay. Like 
you gotta make space for help. People think that we can just like float into help. But if you don't have space for help in your life, baby, it's not coming. Okay. It's mm-hmm. not coming. And so transitioning people out, developing circles. So in my innermost closest circle, if we're viewing this as like a circle graph, like it's me and the Lord. Ain't nobody else getting into that. The intimacy <laughs> that, I mean, that we even saw Jesus model in the garden of Gethsemane, like it was him and daddy God. Okay. Yes. Outside of that, are my closest, most intimate people. Jesus had three disciples that he brought in real close. He told more things to, he shared more things with. And then outside of that, the other disciples, et cetera, et cetera. I would say you need to refine your friendship circles, have the hard conversations. Hey, I'm in the season of healing right now and I love you, but I'm going to be a little bit more distant in our friendship. Not because I don't love you, but because I love myself enough to know that I need a little bit more capacity right now to go deep with some people who understand what I'm going through. Yeah. Friendship circles are huge. Second, obviously, counseling. Get your tail in counseling. And then if you are the person that's like, I don't need counseling, you need it the most. Yes, you do. (laughs) You need it the most. And who cares if you feel like you haven't gone through trauma and you are in the pain comparison trap saying, well, I haven't been through all the Tony's been through. Uh -uh." We want to live lives that are on the offense and not the defense. Mm. Prepare yourselves because people and the world suck. Okay? (laughs) They suck. And it's hard. And people do crazy things and we get hurt and we have to have enough in the reserve to keep going. The only way that we can do that is if we live a life on the offense, not the defense. What do you need to live a life in your window of tolerance so that you don't be popping off on people? Okay. Those are some things. Oh my gosh. I, first of all, love your energy, but also, (laughs) um, I'm imagining, okay. A listener listening to this and they're like, yes, Tony, I am right there. I can, I can recognize that I am in a toxic friend circle or just have Mm. a lot of toxicity in my life with, with the people that I'm surrounding myself with. I want healthy friends, Mm. but maybe they're like, how do I, how do I get that? Where do I find them? Like, they're just like Mm. sitting in this, like, I don't know how to break the circle that I'm currently in and find a new circle. Do you have any, like, how did you do that? Well, whether we like it or not, and and hear me, I have gone through some immense church hurt, like some weird spiritual manipulation, I mean, some weird stuff, okay? But in its perfect form, the church was meant to help us with this. Yeah. It was meant to help us sit in rows and connect with people who are pursuing the same holiness and wholeness that we are pursuing. And so find yourself a healthy church and go deep with the community there because If it's healthy and if the people are in a healthy place, we're all pursuing the same thing, a life of holiness and a life of wholeness. We don't want to just be Bible thumping people that's spitting out scripture out here and we meet. Okay. You just mean you're rude. Okay. We want to be healthy Christians out here. So lean into that. Lean into the fact that you've got a pool of people who are trying their best to be the best people that they can absolutely be and connect deeply with them. And so I I talked literally at Chick-fil-A this morning about this whole idea too of clarity is kindness. People need to know what you need, but here's our problem. Not telling people sometimes what we need, but knowing what we need, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what kind of friends do you need? For me, I've got verbal abuse in my past, a lot of it. So I don't do the whole jokey, jokey, call me names thing. That's not kind to me. That's triggering for me. My closest friends know that like in order to be in this safe mode, most intimate space, like I need you to practice some kind words because I haven't heard a lot of them in my life. Okay, man. And so- I think it's really big to get into spaces that already have people that are pursuing what you're pursuing. Ask your counselor if you're already in counseling, like y'all have community groups. I, I went through the 16 week trauma group course on sexual uh, trauma 
And it was beautiful. I didn't even know they offered it. They just told me one day, my counselor told me, I was like, oh my gosh, I'd love to be in that, in a group of like-minded people who are processing through the same thing that I'm processing through. Heck freaking yes. And so be bold enough to be clear about what you need and about pursuing it and about having those conversations with friends about what you need. Because maybe you do have the friends. Maybe they are there, but they don't actually know how to love you well because you haven't told them. Yeah. So do that. I think that's so good. And especially like you have to, like you're saying, like get into church. And then like from there, like even whether you find, you know, a friend, yes, in church, or maybe you run into somebody at the gym that you're like, I I feel drawn to this person. Like we had a conversation, something sparked here. Like something Lindsay and I talk about is you have to put in some work. Like friendships don't just sometimes most of the time like don't just magically overnight like become these intimate you have to make time for it you have to reach out you have to set aside like let's put it in the calendar and not just be like let's hang out sometime like no put in effort yes put it in for real because i tell you lord planning dates with your friends are like hey girl how's 2025 looking you know we're in 2023 you know but we're trying i even have a reminder in my phone on the first of the month to reach out to all my friends oh because i'd be forgetting Okay. Yeah. I can go into the ebbs and flows. I got kids out here. I'm trying to keep humans alive. Okay. <laughs> so you forget, you drift, we drift towards forgetfulness and negativity and all the things we have to work for. It. I love that you said that. I mean, it's really yeah. good. Mm, I, love, I love, all right. I have a question that's kind of fun. I know in the Bible, there is so many wisdom of just, or so many wisdom. Wow. I love that you said it just like that. I'm like, there's so many wisdoms. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. So much wisdom is what I meant to say. Um, yeah. And stories about women healing from their brokenness. Can you share just any that you personally oh. have looked up to or studied any of that? Like lay it on us, pastor. There's two of them, but I'm <laughs> going to just, I'm going to go with the one. John chapter eight, verse one through 11 is about the woman that committed adultery. And I freaking love this scripture, not only because of the woman, but because of what Jesus taught the leaders, right? It's this woman, sis is laid up with somebody else's husband doing the thing. Okay. And what's interesting about this time contextually is if you were to blame someone for something, convict someone of something, you had to have like physical evidence by multiple people, meaning they had to one, be aware that she was up here laid up with somebody, man, they would have to be there in the act Okay. Oh, like watching? Oh, like watching. (laughs) And most theologians would say that they were meticulous in that. They wanted to find this woman doing it so that that they could bring them, bring her to Jesus so he could test them. They could test him um, and see what he said about the law of Moses. What is he going to do? We're going to convict him. We're going to arrest him. So they were using this woman as a pawn. They had to bring multiple Pharisees, teachers of the law, into whatever this tent hut that they were having sex in had to catch them in the act, drag her out in the act and go bring her to the synagogues. Okay. So sis may have been half naked. I don't know what kind of cloak she had on. I don't know if her nipples was out. We don't know what was going on, (laughs) but they drug her in the moment to the synagogues. All the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. I can't even imagine. I know her head is probably hanging so, so low. She's so embarrassed. She's filled with so much shame. Rightfully so. Okay. We don't want anybody filled with shame, but you were guilty, baby girl. You've been laid up with somebody else's man. Now they don't say nothing about the man, unfortunately, because where you at? Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) they bring her and Jesus is there teaching. And they say, this woman has committed adultery an offense that is worthy of death, stoning, what would you, what do you say about that? What, what do you have to say? They're trying to test him. They're trying to catch him in the act. Either letting this woman go free, therefore breaking the law 
or fulfilling the or or doing the law, enacting the law, and not actually being the fulfillment of it as he claimed as the Messiah. Jesus is just riding on the ground, assuming a very humble posture in front of these women, in front of these Pharisees, unlike any other king. He's just riding in the freaking sand. I'm like, whoa, what a G. <laughs> they ask again, what, what, like, what, what do you say about this? This woman is committed adultery. What would you say? Her heart, I'm sure, is beating fast. She's getting ready to die because of what she's done. Jesus stands up. He says, listen, those of you that have not sinned at all, you can throw the first stone. One by one, the book says eldest first, because when you live a long time, you sin a long time. So I'm sure the ones that was old was like, let me go ahead and go on out because I didn't have a, a few Few too many carafes of wine the other night. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you did, but you but you leave it. One by one, they all leave until no one else is standing except for Jesus and the woman. Wow. He then looks at her and he's and he sarcastically asks, Has no one condemned you? I mean, come on, think about that. He, they're all gone. It's very clear, right? Like, think about that little like bit of sarcasm. This is Jesus. He's like, has no one? I mean, he said, where do they go? <laughs> And she's, I'm sure, looking around like, what is getting ready to happen right now? She's like, no, no, no one condemned me. And he says, neither do I go and leave your life of sin. Jesus gives her grace and truth because he is all grace, all truth, all the time. Jesus is saying, I see your brokenness. I know what you've done. The whole town freaking knows what you've done at this point. I've got grace for that and it's sufficient for you. And also go and lead your life of sin. The truth is I want to be close to you. Your sin will take me from you. But if you could just go and press into the wholeness that I've gifted you, I'm with you. Man. I got you. Man. What? Huh? So in good. your freaking face, <laughs> hypocritical, prideful leaders oh, yes. of the church in your face. Yes. This is the Jesus that we surrender to. Amen. If you are loving what you're hearing on today's episode, then we wanted to share something else you might love, The Heart Shop. It's our digital resource online shop for creative entrepreneurs. The Heart Shop is your one-stop shop for all of our online courses, luxury website templates, PDF guides, social media graphic templates, and illustrations. If you've been at your wit's end with your website design and you don't know where the heck to create a high quality pricing or welcome guide to give your clients an incredible branded first impression, ooh, we got you. We created The Heart Shop to serve you with the best tools and resources you need to successfully run your business. Just head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and start browsing the goods. That's theheartuniversity.com forward slash shop and we'll see you there. Want to know what both Evie and I use for our skincare? Our absolute favorite non-toxic skincare products are without a doubt Primally Pure. Yes, if you've been searching for a natural, non-toxic skincare company, you can actually feel solid about using, knowing that the ingredients won't harm you and are derived from nature, then I'm not joking when I say that you need to try Primally Pure. Evie and I have been using Primally Pure for our skincare for a couple of years now, and we are legit in love. Like, we love that every product has minimal, safe, all-natural ingredients that, I'm not joking, smell divine and make our skin look and feel healthy and beautiful. Yeah, some of our favorite products that we've used from Primarily Pure are their charcoal deodorant, the cleansing oil, their lavender complexion mist, and their clarity serum. Like, Every freaking product of theirs, we're not kidding, knocks it out of the park as far as quality and making our skin feel incredible. 
For 10% off your order, you can use code HEART and HUSTLE. That's all caps, no spaces at checkout using the link in our show notes. We know that you're going to love Primally Pure as much as we do. Again, that's code HEART and HUSTLE for 10% off your order today. It's so oh, good. Tony, I'm going to need you to basically okay. I don't, make an audiobook or something <laughs> where my you book just has retell. My voice. I do want to say that. Well, but well okay, that. But I, specifically, I need you to do retellings of Bible stories and, and make it because like, What you just shared, I'm sure that so many people have either read that in the Bible or have not maybe, but you just made that like very like dry. Not that all of the Bible is dry. We need a little bit of just what's happening here. Like a little spice, but like you just made that so real for people, like the grace of Jesus that he doesn't shy away from our brokenness. He doesn't say, oh no, you're below me because you've done that. Like he comes up to us and lifts us up out of our brokenness. And yep. gives us, I love that you mentioned, gives us grace, but also like, doesn't just say like, it's okay. I forgive all he does, yeah, no. but it's like, he matches it with truth and says, sin no more. And like, I, that. <laughs> I have better for you than what you're living in. And I just yeah. love, you just made that so real with yeah. just the way that you shared that story. Oh, I'm glad. Come oh, on. That's for me. <laughs> that story for me, honey. If anybody else didn't yeah. get none of that, it's for me. Oh, it's so good. I love you, Tony, talking about when you pointed out, you know, there's no place for shame, mm-hmm. but there's also, you know, acknowledgement of like right and wrong and whatnot. Yeah. But I want to touch on the shame part really quick yeah. because I feel like in in so many healing journeys, that is one of the number one weapons that the enemy will use against us time and time again, as we're trying to walk through healing is that he's like, you're not good enough. You messed up. You can never, you know, have a healthy marriage. You could never be a good mother. You could never, whatever it is, there's that like shame that he will twist. What would you like? I just want, I just want you to talk about like shame, your experience, especially from the healing perspective. Well, you said it like shame the enemy will twist Mm -hmm. because I mean, he is the author of confusion. Sweet Eve at the beginning of the Lord Jesus. She just didn't see it. Sweet girl. She didn't see that he had thwarted what was so good about God, which was that he was in control and she didn't have to worry about anything and made her believe that he was this narcissistic controlling person. Mm -hmm. And he was not. And that's what he does with shame. He thwarts it. He makes us think that all the things that we've done wrong and all the things that we carry we, we should be ashamed of instead of guilty of. And there's a very distinct difference. Mm. The enemy will throw shame in our faces when really we should only be carrying guilt. That's the only thing we were designed to, to carry. Think about it this way in the, the beginning of Genesis. I mean, the Lord was literally like, why are you guys hiding? I mean, shame is hiding, right? Yeah. Why are y'all hiding? Listen, I know what, first of all, I know what you've done. <laughs> You're guilty of what you've done. You ate from the tree. The I, I told you not to. Yeah. But you don't have to hide. Because... Guilt says we've done something bad. Shame says we are bad. Mm. And if we can switch and and really punch the devil in the face and say, "Uh, uh, uh, you're not going to confuse us here. I can admit when I'm wrong. I have enough humility to say that I did something bad, that I caused pain to someone. Mm -hmm. But you will not attack my identity because what I do is not who I am. So boo-boo shit do. (laughs) You can move around because you're a punk, okay? And I'm going to humbly apologize for the things that I've done wrong. And I'm going to hold my head up high and know that they do not get to define me. 
So good. And I think that's the key. I, I left shame in 2020 when we all, almost died that one time. Because, <laughs> I mean, I was crusty. My eyebrows wasn't done. I had nails that had turned into tips and my hair was dirty. I, there, what, what else kind of shame you want? I, I, that, that is the lowest of the lows. We didn't already went to the low. At this point, I'm going to say and do what I want. I'm going to do it with <laughs> honor, obviously. And I'm not going to be out here all being rude. But I ain't got no more shame. Oh, oh, I love it. Wait, oh, I have a follow-up for you, Tony. Yeah. When you discussed, when you said, you know, we were never meant to live in or carry shame, but we were yeah. meant to, you know, carry guilt. My question is how would you, and this is, I guess, getting really theological, Let's go. but like, what would you say, how would, does that tie in with the death of the old man that we are, no, mm. we are new creations in Christ? Like, do you believe that we should continue to hold that guilt as we walk through it, or should we acknowledge it? hold it and then hand it to Jesus. Like, I guess like, what are, can you, it's good. Let's about, like, guilt. <laughs> I went to seminary okay. girl. Let's freaking go. Okay. okay? <laughs> um, here, here's the truth. We were meant for Eden. When God designed us at the beginnings of the earth, when he made the earth and the moon and the stars and everything in it. And he took the depths of the water as the Holy spirit was hovering over it. And, and then he decided that he would make man and he did it. All right. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> He did great, made him a warrior, gave him all those parts of him awesome. And then he decided that he needed something else, that the earth was not finished without woman. And we came down, we was all cute. We got made from the from the rib, okay? He made us like little Teletubbies, y'all. We were supposed to just be bopping around Eden, bucket naked, <laughs> free, and just bopping. That's, y'all, we were supposed to be just jelly, flimsy little human beings under the reign and healthy, kind control of a God that loves us. But we are under a curse right now that unfortunately, sweet Eve, as we just, oh Lord Jesus, so many things, good Lord, came from this one decision. We are living under a curse, but God didn't want that curse to stunt our access to him. We live under a curse and we have access to God because of Jesus, who can help us as we navigate the curse. The curse says we live in a fallen, broken world. The curse says we are broken people who are going to do some crazy stuff. We are imperfect. We are wired for struggle. It is what it is. We're living under a curse. And yet we have access to the cure. We just do. And so while we're here in this ratchet time, okay, on this ratchet earth, before God remakes and renews all the heavens and the earth, he says, we're going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to deal with the pain that's inflicted on us. We're going to have to deal with the pain that unfortunately inflict on others. And as Paul said, however, we can boast about our weaknesses. It's actually what we have to do. He says in second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine, we have to boast about our weaknesses so that we can access the full power of Christ. God wants us to depend on him. Mm -hmm. He wants that. He's given us access to do that. And so we have to be okay that we're going to be guilty sometimes because we live under a curse mm. and we have access to the one who makes all things new, to the ultimate redeemer who comes after us in the valleys and says, I'll be with you there in the valleys, but I ain't going to leave you there. Mm. We're going to get to mountains of hope. I think that's the way we have to live this unfortunate curse filled life. <laughs> 
Yes. I love that. That's beautiful. Mm. Tony, do you have uh, maybe a final question of just anybody that's listening to this, that like we kind of said at the beginning, if they either are just dealing with anything that they resonate with your story or any other brokenness or or trauma in their life, and they're listening to this, what like parting kind of advice would you Mm. give to them if they are kind of still stuck in that or, or living in that and they haven't found peace or they haven't kind of broken out of that place of just feeling Mm. like they are far from God, feeling like they don't deserve just worthiness or or they don't even deserve God's presence. They don't deserve anything. If they're just kind of in that spiral of of, of a cycle of feeling that way, what would your like parting words to them be? Mm. I posted about this the other day because I was asked this question um, on a podcast. Somebody said, were you ever angry at God for all that you carried? sexual manipulation and abuse and losing your virginity at 13 and all the drugs and alcohol and I had an eating disorder and really hard relationship with my dad that later got redeemed. They said, were you ever mad? And I think I'm at a point right now where I look back at this moment. I write about this in the book. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the stairs in my house and I'm curled up in a ball and I'm literally squeezing my legs in so hard I can barely breathe. And I'm just literally pleading with God, like, take the pain away, take the pain away, take the pain away, please take the pain away. I'm just squeezing myself so hard and I'm not mad at him, but I'm profoundly disappointed. Mm. I I feel so let down. I feel, I feel targeted. I feel like, like, why would you allow this to happen? I can't believe it. And then I get to have conversations like this where someone maybe for the first time hears that you can make it, you can hope again. And I posted this the other day. I said, I think that I would go through it all again. Wow. I'd be willing to. I'd carry it all again because there is nothing, nothing like looking a man and woman in the eye and saying, I see you. I know what you've been through. And I promise you, if God can do it for me and my crazy self, he can do it for you too. He plays no favorites. It was worth it. God wastes nothing. No suffering goes unused. No pain is felt without purpose. And maybe you'll never get to the point where you want to share your story and help other he- others heal. Maybe it's just for you. And that's enough. But he'll do it for you. Don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. Don't lose hope. I just, I believe it. I believe it'll get better. I really do. Gosh, so good. That is mm-hmm. truth. I feel like, Everyone listening to this podcast right now needs to go read, like, just brave enough to be broken. Go, go, read go read it. Go read it now. Or you can listen to the audio, and it's I got to read it myself, and it uh, is fun. Uh, I, would, I can imagine just, like, hearing your voice on this podcast right now. I'm like, that, yes, yes. It's so fun. Oh, I love it. Tony, yeah. I feel like we could talk to you for I weeks. I, yeah. I could just continue these conversations forever. Yeah. Um, we have a couple final questions at the end of yeah. each episode. Um, are you a reader? I feel like as an author, you probably are, right? I'm a, I'm a listener. So I like audio books. Okay. okay. I don't know. We, we do the it. same too. So okay, good, good, good. We do yeah. both, but, yeah, uh, we good. love selfishly. We both love reading or listening to books and, uh, we want to selfishly hear any favorite recent books that you have read or listened to that you can share with us. <laughs> All right. Let me say this. Soul of Shame by Kurt Thompson. Dr. Kurt Thompson is hot fire. You okay. want to, if you are just like, I 
can't get rid of the, the shame thing. It's just haunting. It's eating me alive. It is what it is. Like, I can't get rid of it. It's not working out for me. So Soul of Shame by um, Kurt Thompson. Um, gosh, I'm going to get, oh, Boundaries for Your Soul by Dr. Allison Cook. Boundaries for Your Soul. She practices this thing called internal family systems where on the healing journey, you start to address some of the like tiny parts of you, like the little bitty Lindsay and the 13-year-old Lindsay and the 14-year-old Tony. And you start to welcome those parts of you into the room because they really need tending to by mm. you. But what we do is we like shun those little parts away and we're like, no, 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 no. So boundaries for your soul. So good. Okay. I'm reading this right now. I don't know if it's amazing, but it's been amazing so far. Redeeming heart by Dan Allender. I'm in it right now. If anybody wants to do it with me. Oh, look, I got boundaries for my soul right there. Oh, boundaries there you go. My little <laughs> library. She pulls up her audiobook. I love that. Because <laughs> it's literally right here. But I'm, yeah, I just started redeeming heartache. And I just love the title and everyone says it's so good. And so I'm excited about it because I think heartache is one of those things, you know, that like, it's just general, like you could get a heartache on like the playground. Like somebody could break your heart on the playground, you know, like it's such a tender, small thing. And it's like, if we can learn to redeem some of our heartaches from losing a job, from being fired, like from being dumped, like all these, from being unfollowed, even like, doesn't it like break your heart a little bit? It's like, oh gosh, I don't know why she didn't call me anymore. (laughs) You know, like, I just feel like we can do that really well. I just think there's some resilience that can be built in that. So I'm reading it now. So you can read it with me and we can just talk about it now. Okay, <laughs> I love we're, it. We're in it. <laughs> we are here for those recommendations. Yeah. All right. Our second question as we kind yeah. of wrap up is what is the biggest lesson that you have learned in your business life? Ooh, this is going to be, this is going to sound harsh guys, but it is what it is. I'm a people pleaser by nature. You got to be slow to hire and quick to fire. Period. Mm, like, I just am. Um, oh my gosh. This is another great resource. Radical candor. So good. Finding that balance, the pendulum balance of caring personally and challenging directly changed my life. Cause I yeah. just will keep anybody on. Like, I'll just be like, it's fine. She's not answering any emails. I don't know. Like <laughs> what it's not, it ain't fine. It's not fine. Yeah. But I care personally too much. Right. Like I have yeah. to figure out how to challenge directly. And that's been a really hard struggle for me, but a great struggle for me in business because People need direction. Yeah. You don't just want to keep somebody around looking crazy and they're not the right person. You know, it's also, it's also not good for them or you. No, like like it's doing no one any favors to not not better them by challenging them. So bad y'all. So bad. So I'm getting better at that. Oh, I love it. Tony, you are absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for your time here today. I'm sure our listeners are just as obsessed with you as we are. Where can they find you? Where can they buy your book? All of the things. Yeah. It's Tony J. Collier on all the things. T-O-N-I-J-C-O-L-L-I-E-R. My book's there. Instagreasy, that's there. Uh, Brave Enough to Be Broken. Like it's all there. And we're getting ready to launch some more healing community groups, which I'm so excited about. I do a six-week healing community group with women, men, don't be coming up in here. Okay. We, I'm not doing all that. Um, be battling with lust out here. I'm like, I'm bring her behind over here. Okay. Anyways. Um, but if I love these healing community groups because it, I love the towers of ministry. I speak on a lot of stages, but I'm really called to the trenches. Honestly, I love to do this. I love to hop on zooms and help women with their stories and process them and point them to resources. And so I'm really excited about that. And I'm uh, just hopeful that the right women will go in those groups. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love that you call it Insta Greasy. I don't know where that comes from, but that's my favorite thing. People just crack up and I'm like, well, okay. 
Oh my gosh, Tony. Thank you so much for being on the show. Our audience is just going to love this episode. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to be here. 